welcome to episode 153 of the Daniel Yoris Podcast with today's guest, Brian Cron. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Brian Cron. Brian, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you in a tank top in the middle of January in Winnipeg. Sorry, <laughs> wait, man. I'm Canadian, man. This is like, I'm built for this. So, and you live in real Canada, not like me in Toronto, where we're like we get winter and it's like two centimeters of snow and we complain about it. Yeah, man, I'm in the bald prairie, so yeah, it's uh, actually it's not too bad today. I think it's minus twenty, so that's why you know <laughs> that's why the, the tarps off and the yeah, yeah. You know, so you almost have to put socks on though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, four months till spring, man. Four months till spring. Four months till spring. Do you do you enjoy the winter at all? Do you do any like winter activities that help you to actually enjoy it? No, no, no. My hockey days are, uh, those, those were over a long time ago. And I should say though, I, like a minus 10 kind of winter day, that's quite nice. I'll go out and I'll, I'll walk and I'll walk and stuff. But in terms of like playing sports or skiing and stuff, no, no, I'm no, no, not really. Yeah. Fair enough. I only started snowboarding, uh, last year. Yeah. Purely as a way to like, hey, I, I hate the winter. Like, I got to have something to look forward to here. So, like, now when it snows, I can at least say, hey, yeah. all right, I got to shovel the driveway, but I can go snowboarding. So, there's at least that that payoff there. Yeah, yeah, no. Well, I'm in the prairie now too, man. If I want, <laughs> yes, you get none of that. <laughs> not a lot of mountains around here. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. In looking uh, into some things for this episode, I noticed one thing that really caught my eye in your in your Twitter bio. And I'm sure that this is slightly satirical, but also kind of a good launching off point. And in your Twitter bio, you write, you were jacked before it was cool. <laughs> what what does that mean? I, fuck, I don't know. <laughs> I, me, I don't know. Well, I don't know. What what does it mean? I guess I, I should have said a jack before social media. That I can that I can say. That I can say. Well, jacked in in, in quotations. Uh, you are way more jacked than most people and you're extremely humble. Yeah. Well, it's what do you, something's funny. Like I, when I look at, I've been working out cause I'm 50. So I've been working out since I was 15 and probably pretty religious. Yeah. Yeah. Like even by then 14, 15. So 35 years, if I would have put the time that I put into this nonsense, if I would have put it into anything else, like, I don't know <laughs> any other venture, I'd be set. Probably financially, probably relationships, probably, you know, I probably have, I don't know, probably have an, a small empire somewhere. Instead, mm-hmm. oh my God, I said, I'm in a tank top in January. <laughs> you know, choices, kids, choices. Yeah. A small fitness empire, to, to, at least. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and a couple of shoes. That's, and a couple of shoes. Yeah. That's all you got. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting, though, how, how many people, like, really, it's very interesting to me how many people are now it seems that the gym is becoming more mainstream and I'm not sure if this is just an influx of talking about it on social media or in the real world. And you might have a better perspective on that because you've been doing this pre social media. Like, do you think that there are more people involved in fitness now or is there just more noise about it online? It's just way more noise, way more Mm -hmm. noise. And and that's actually a good question. I mean, it's, because when pumping iron, the, the the great pumping iron, like that, that's when working out was still like a culty kind of activity. So, so when I think back when I was in high school, you know, and that's already a few years after pumping iron, it wasn't, it was already mainstream. I mean, you know, so I'd go to gyms and they'd be busy, you know, and obviously like eighties movies, everyone was muscular. It was already a thing. You know, the fitness boom was the early eighties. Hmm. So if I started in the late eighties, 
it was already a thing and and but it just you didn't hear about it constantly because you weren't always on your effing phone getting inundated with the same cheesy slogans and you know thank god for the memes at least the memes are entertaining <laughs> the the meme games is are strong right now yeah. um i think on that note though there's a lot of like in the 10 years that i've been you know, really in fitness and really paying attention and looking into things and whatnot. I've already seen things start to oh. resurface and come back. And I'm sure you've seen this, you know, several times over by now, like the big one right now is fasting. I remember when I was, you know, 10 years ago, fasting was a thing. And then it kind of just like went out of flavor. And now all of a sudden everyone's like, Oh my God, intermittent fasting. Have you heard of it? I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. So is everyone. So is everyone. What are you, what are you talking about here? Like, what are we doing? Like, but that must be, that must be almost uh, annoying to you to hear these things come back. And people think it's the, the cat's meow every time. Oh, it's, I wouldn't say it's annoying, but it is, it is funny. And, um, and I remember Dave Tate told me years ago, he's like, he's like, everything in this industry is cyclical. And, mm. uh, and the way he, he was referring to it, like low volume training, and then will be popular. Then a few years later, high volume training will be popular and low carb diets will be popular. And a few years later, it'll be high carb, low fat diets. Like everything goes in the cycle. Like I'm in my, th- at least my third um, rotation of the low carb, <laughs> high carb. Cause when I, cause when I got into working out in the eighties, it was high carb, low fat, the eighties diet as everyone always talked about. Um, and then when I kind of got a little more serious, that's when low carb, you know, and high fat, the very, the, like the anabolic diet, the body opus diet, that's when that was popular. So I, I had my first kind of like, so like that was my first time I had that, that thing happen in your head. We were like, Everything I thought was wrong. Everything I've been doing was wrong. I was following this high carb diet, but now I'm reading these books and listening, you know, hearing from these experts, I should be following a low carb, you know, higher fat diet and jumping into that rabbit hole and spending years at it only to come out on the other side and see that, oh, like high carb, <laughs> higher carb. And, you know, anyway, seeing it that it is in fact a cycle, that's when you get true wisdom at this. It's you're like, wow, there's, <laughs> it's all variations of the same thing. And so now, you know, I've gone, gone around and around and, you know, I think, it, I do think it's funny, but I also, I, I respect, cause everyone's on this journey. So everyone has to go through that. They have to go through this, you know, this phase where they're just learning about things and it sounds like the greatest thing ever. And they don't have that experience yet to say, oh yeah, yeah, I've, you know, I remember this fad and then have that, the additional wisdom to be like, you know what, it all really just boils down to calories. <laughs> you know, that's, you know, that's kind of like. A little further down the road, but it's, you know, Hey man, it's the industry. It's, it's afforded me to have a, a career in it. So I can't, I can't shit on it too hard. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> I think that part of it is like you said, due to the inexperience and the inexperience in other maybe approaches, especially nutrition wise, where people seem, seem to think that they've tried everything and they haven't really tried everything. Cause if they did, they would have found something that worked. And then they find one thing that that works for them. It's kind of like when you say, oh, well, when you lose something, it's always, it's always in the last place you'd look. Well, of course it is. Cause then you stop looking for it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then, so, so they find this nutrition approach that's like, oh my God, this, this worked for me. It must work for everyone else, but they maybe don't have the experience to say like, Hey, this actually doesn't work for everyone else because through all of these stages of nutrition, I'm sure that you yourself and maybe through clients and through others have seen results using all of the different Mm-hmm. styles of eating or training and whatever, there's value to be had in all of them in that people can get results doing all the things. There's not just a one size fits all that universal, uh, universally works for everyone. 
it's funny. I remember my very first actual training job was, I was, I was doing, I wasn't able to do personal training yet at this big box gym, but I was doing like the showing people around the machines and uh, I, I don't know how old I was, maybe 21. And uh, my boss at the time, and he's like, look, I was, I was peppering with questions about, Oh, what does this work better than this? This work better than that? Like all these things. And he's like, he's a pretty seasoned guy. And he was like, look, everything can work. You know, and, and for, when he said that, I was like, oh, that basically I thought he's telling me to piss off. He doesn't want to talk anymore. <laughs> but I realized he's right. Like everything, everything can work if you buy in and you're consistent with it. And then the caveat is, and you hit the basic physiological benchmarks, you know, whether it's in training or in fat loss or whatever. You hit the basic, you know, whether it's a calorie deficit, deficit or a progressive overload or whatever. As long as you're hitting those, anything can work, you know. So it's... When you embrace that, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you, you know, kind of it's liberating and you can try all these different things, but nobody wants to hear that, at least not for a very long time. They want to be convinced that what they're doing is special and has some inherent kind of like thing that makes it superior to the other thing. And really now, like when, when I work with people, it's just whatever they like to do just naturally without, especially with diet, like whatever they like to foods, they naturally like to eat. That's the best diet for them. Then we just make sure we hit these physiological benchmarks to get them to where they want to be. 100% agree. I think the only maybe caveat to that is people who are professional athletes or like yeah, physique yeah. competitors or bodybuilder competitors. It's like, hey, you don't get to do what you like. You get to do what works because this is yeah. you know your job and you said you wanted to do this. But for 99% of everyone else, it's like, okay, you you like to eat low carb? Okay, let's let's roll with that because I'm not going to force you to do something yeah. you don't like. You're already having trouble sticking with this. I'm not going to make you make this process miserable. Like again, yeah. you're not trying to step on stage. You're just trying to like lose ten pounds and feel better when you go to yeah. work. Uh, that's all. Exactly, exactly. It's like when you everyone gets that new client who's like usually it's a woman and and she'll say, "Oh, you know, I I, I hate breakfast. I never eat breakfast. I hate breakfast." Well, not not too terribly long ago, we'd still be like, "Well, you got to change that. <laughs> you got to start eating breakfast. You know, you got it's more, your most important meal of the day. You know, and you know, then all of a sudden, you know, we understand that meal frequency and patterning is not that important. So, it's entirely up to the person's natural rhythm. You know, and then all of a sudden, oh, that's it. Just kind of changes the game. So. But not that fun to hear. Not that fun to hear no, that there's not that there's not a secret answer. There's no, yeah. Wish there was. Well, there's secrets, but they're, you know, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, drug solves a lot of problems, but that's, that's, that's a bodybuilding thing more than anything. But even then it's, there's extreme consistency in, in those physiques. There's extreme of doing all the, the really important things right, you know, for years. And then, you know, the illegal stuff is like the icing on the cake. Right. Yeah. Now this is actually something that I wanted to talk about, not because it's a huge yeah. The thing that, you know, people who listen are really interested in per se, but it seems like it's become more prevalent on social media. And that seems like I, I initially thought like, yeah. Hey, we should legalize this stuff. Let people talk about it. Let the education get out there. And, and my mistake was like, not that I control any of this, but, no. but like th then that also allows like idiots to just get wow. out there and promote it and talk about it incorrectly. And this is where abuse and misuse happens. And it, and it seems to be like more people are talking about it a little bit too freely. Do you, do you think that that oh, is yeah. correct? 100%. 100%. Like it's, um, you know, I'm from a bodybuilding background and, and on the one hand, I think it's really, really cool that, you know, that I can hop in, I can listen to a podcast with, you know, two experts here, you know, not just experts, but like 
professional bodybuilders talking about what they did, like the drugs they took in their contest prep or whatever, like just the really the nitty gritty that frankly, back in the day when I was trying to learn all that stuff, I would be paying thousands of dollars in private consults and, and, and just, or just would never even, you'd have to go to such great lengths to get that information. Mm-hmm. Like, especially with steroids. Like if you were, you know, if, you know, kids are always, you know, teenagers are obsessed with steroids. So like, but if they wanted that information when I was a teenager, fuck, there was no books. And certainly there's like, there's no books on steroids. I mean, um, there's no internet. And so you, how would you have to befriend the biggest guy in the gym, <laughs> you know, and 99 times out of a hundred, he's not dumb. He's a teenager asked about ter- steroids. He's going to tell you to go fuck yourself and, and try to scare you away. Cause he just doesn't want the hassle. Um, now fast, fast forward to today. If, if I want to learn that information, there's, it's everywhere. And I do think on the one hand, it's kind of good that, you know, there's less secrets now and we realizing, you know, that's, there is really nothing magical about any of that. It does. It just, it's the first thing that, especially young people, it's the first thing they talk about. Like it's like when I get the rare time I get a training question at the, at the gym, it's, it's usually it's about that rather than, Oh, what exercise can I do for this? Or, or, or a diet question. Wow. And I'm just going on the, you know, to see on, on social media, there's so much content dedicated to that. You know, I just like to see more dedicated to, well, I should, I shouldn't say there is a ton dedicated to training. I shouldn't say that it just, but it just seems to be overshadowed by all this drug talk. It it seems to me like it's not mixed very well. Like I, I appreciate the education and stuff about, about drugs and performance enhancing things. And it's great. It's, it's fun to learn about. I personally don't use it, but obviously nothing against it, but and I think this is just the nature of social media that there's not enough attention span. So if I'm going to make a post that's going to say, Hey, here's like the, you know, the cycle that I use, here are the things that I use. And also I, uh, you know, eat clean all the time and I, and I train hard and I'd like do all the things that's boring. If you just talk about, Hey, here's a cycle that I use, you know, it's six seconds long flip to the next thing, then that will get views and that's what gets promoted. But talking about the whole picture, it just like gets lost in the, in the sea of content. Well, if you talk to any really good bodybuilder who's a little bit older anyone with like a really exceptional physique and you know and more than a dozen brain cells but like especially when it's a little bit older they'll all say the same thing they'll all say if they're like talking to a young person they'll be like but you gotta max out naturally first you know and then and people either they refuse they don't hear that part you know (laughs) or they just refuse to you know that's part of being young i guess they just want to fast forward everything you know you want to skip that part and, and just, and so that's my one thing about all this, this information being out there is it just kids just think they can skip all the steps that, that you're supposed to go through before you kind of graduate to that. And, and that's one of the worst mistakes you can make is to, is to jump on steroids when you're, you know, when you, when you still have way, way more development to go just naturally. I mean, you're just cheating yourself. Yeah. And you're, and you're just missing out on, on some of the fun. Like I remember how fast and how easy it was to make progress. Like when I first started training, I was like gaining weight and getting strength, like crazy. Like, you know, you walk in the gym and take three deep breaths and gain muscle somehow. And now it's like, you know, it's, it's, I'm not very old, so it's not that slow, but like, it's not as much as when I was, you know, 17, 16 in the gym for the first time. And, and to think that people have like maxed out almost no one has maxed out their genetic potential. Oh no, no. Well, <laughs> the, the ones that have, they've, they've got a lot of bodybuilding trophies, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Just no one, I, I, can, I can count them on one hand. Frankly, the people I know who've act, legit maxed out 
their potential. I mean, you can max out in other ways. You can max out, uh, you know, you, just, you can just age out. Like you get too old, you're just not, you know, body just doesn't work as good anymore. <laughs> I can speak to that. But it's just, uh, yeah, like the number of people who've actually maxed out their genetic potential is a pretty short list. Yeah, if you're not uh, if you're not stepping on stage, then almost certainly you haven't you haven't you haven't maxed it out. If you're you know yeah. 17 years old in a regular big box gym, going up to big guys asking them about stuff, like eh, not you. Yeah, yeah I, I do find yeah whenever when it's even someone in their late 20s, I mean, man, that's just too young. It's too young. Just hold off, hold off. What do you think are some considerations? Like, what would be some good signs aside from maybe maxing out your genetic potential where someone should really start thinking about performance enhancing drugs for themselves? Well, uh, I mean, first of all, it's good. What do they want out of their training? You know, like what are they, if you're just, um, if you're just training to be the best you can be and to be strong and to be healthy and to, and to look good, like you just don't need it. Like you just, <laughs> you don't need, it's just not, you know, I've, you know, there's always, especially on the diet end, man, there's so much that can be, and, there's so much to be improved on the diet end. And when people, so many guys will hop on before they have figured out the diet part and figure out the diet part. Isn't it's a bit of a trick thing to say. It's not knowing what to eat. That's easy. I can tell you that in five minutes. It's knowing what to eat and actually fucking doing it consistently for years. When you eat the way you should be eating and the amount you should be eating, you know, and, you know, that's where meal frequency actually does matter. You know, if you're eating consistently every day, day in, day out for years and includes holidays, includes summer, and it includes, you know, day in, day out. That's what figuring out the diet means. You know, it's just, it's not, oh, well, this is the magic number of macros. I None of that. That's that's just day one. Now do that for a thousand days. Now you have figured out the diet. And so if you've figured out the diet part and you're not making gains and you're in your late 20s, Okay, you know, now now we'll look at your training, <laughs> but like yeah. like those are the things that you have to exhaust before the drugs really should become an option. I completely agree with that, and I think that part of figuring that out too that people might miss is that whatever you're doing right now is also going to change. You you yeah. switch jobs, you move houses, you have a kid, you you know any number oh. of like life things that happen is going to throw a wrench into your plan. So your perfect macros, your perfect, you know, six meal a day, chicken and rice Tupperware diet, like that yeah. might not work for you at one day. And it's not because the diet doesn't work, it's just because it doesn't suit or fit into your lifestyle. And this is, I think, the part where people really mix things up because it's like, Hey, again, you're not a professional athlete. Like you are a, you know, whatever job you do and you're a person and you're a father and a husband or a wife or whoever. And, uh, you got to eat to support that, not because you're trying to step on stage. And if you're trying to step on stage, then, I mean, first of all, you're probably not listening to this podcast, but second, like (laughs) completely different conversation. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, that's funny. Um, but yeah, but that's, that's exactly it. Like it, it, if you can maintain it through all the changes in life, like, you know, that that's the, I always, you always want to put your lifestyle first and then you know, kind of adapt your diet accordingly and your training accordingly. Um, but it just brings me back to whatever your goal is. Like if your goal, sometimes if you have a very kind of very specific, especially a bodybuilding goal, then yeah, you know what, going on the dark side is probably going to happen. If you have a very, you know, but if your goal is just something to be healthy and to be strong and to look good, be kind of jacked and, and feel confident. All of these things can be had through just, you know, you know, that long figuring out the diet process and lots of 
intelligent, progressive training. You get all that. And that can easily fit, follow you into different stages of life. You know, whether it's, you know, getting married and having children and getting a new job and traveling with work, all these things put huge pressures on, especially the diet. Um, you know, that, like that's where the challenges are. And throwing drugs into the mix of that, that doesn't fix any of those things. Like if you have a hard time eating correctly and because you have a, you know, you have a new baby in your house or maybe your job has you out of town two, three days a week, you know, throwing drugs into the mix doesn't all of a sudden just med- mitigate that. It just, you know, you might look a little bit better, but you, it's certainly not, there's no, there's no. At what cost? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's no magic. It, it's not solving your problem by any stretch. Yeah. In some cases, it might even just make things worse overall oh, in, in the long run. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the last, well, yeah, you don't want to be messing with your, you know, it's not a good idea to be messing with your, when you got a little baby at home and you're, especially if you're a new parent, it's stressful. Um, yeah. So, yeah. I remember when I was just starting at the gym, I you know walked into a Popeye's supplement store, like like all eighteen year olds would have. Yeah. And, you know, you try and just want to buy some protein powder, and then the guy rinses you for three hundred bucks somehow on a bunch of supplements that you didn't need. Yeah. And it's like, okay, yeah, you need this carb powder, and you need this, and you need that. I'm like, yeah. yeah, sure, like I want to be jacked like you. And and the yeah. guy was telling me, um, I don't never remember, I never spoke to him again, never saw him again, but he was telling me like how he used to use steroids and used to compete, and he had to like take the pictures of himself off his phone because he couldn't look back on those because he always wanted to look like he did when he was, when he was on, but he, since he went off and he said like, Oh, my mental health was ruined. Like I couldn't have sex. Like everything like in my life got, he's like, I looked jacked. I looked awesome, but everything else in my life got worse. Cause like, I didn't know what I was doing and I did this worse. And now I had to like remove all that memory from my life just to, just to, so that I don't have to think about going on it again. And now I can just kind of train and be healthy. And that was like a, a very eye-opening conversation for me, like pretty young and early on. Not that I was ever really like, I wasn't thinking about it ever at the time. He was just randomly, you know, had a day where he was just opening up to a stranger. But uh, but it was really eye-opening for me to hear that uh, pretty early on. Yeah, like you're very, you're very fortunate to have that conversation. And, and you know, kudos to whoever that guy was for, A, for figuring that out for, for himself. Or, you know, you know I'm sure, sure it cost him in a lot of different ways to, to, to reach that point. And, you know, kudos for sharing it with a younger person. So, like, cause that's huge. That's huge. And, and that's, you know, that, and that's pro- the main reason I was getting, like, I meant the main reason people take steroids or they go on TRT, especially, especially lately TRT is, it was the hot topic. And they come up with all these, you know, excuses or, or reasons, I shouldn't say reasons. Oh, uh, you know, I'm not, not performing in the bedroom or, you know, I'm not this, I'm not, or I'm, just, you know, I'm just not losing my lust for life. And and all these things are legit indicators that maybe you need TRT. But at the end of the day, most people do these, make these decisions because they want to be more jacked, you know, and why do they want to be more jacked? Because they want to be, feel better about themselves. They want to, you know, maybe be more attractive to women or think they're more attractive to women. That's the cat. But really just be more attractive yeah. to other gym dudes. <laughs> well, fuck Yeah. <laughs> But really just basically just feel better about themselves. Yeah. And part of me is like, there's nothing really wrong with that. I mean, we only, you know, you only go around once in this rock, so you might as well feel good about yourself. Um, but you run that risk then is that you're you get so you feel good about yourself when you look a certain way, and that's that alone is kind of hard to give up. And now now if you if you start to earn a living doing that. Um, now that's even harder. Now it's kind of, you know, if you got to, and now if let's say you 
get a bunch of ego from that. Like you get a bunch of your, you know, your bros kind of, you're known as the big guy. Like there's no one more depressed than the guy who's known as the big guy. Who's when he's off his cycle and he's off all his stuff. That's the most depressed guy in the gym. Um, so that's, yeah, it's a, it's a, I just, when I see young people wanting to go down that road, you know, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's not that dark and depressing a road, but it certainly can be. And the more mature you are going down it, because there, there are plenty of guys who just get a little bit jacked, you know, and they, and they're just fine. They're just fine. But there's always people who just go down a very darker path. Yeah. It's it's not a necessarily the most dangerous road, but but proceed with extreme caution. And oh. I think probably more from more from like the mental health side of things rather than the physical side of things. Like you can figure out how to do it right physiologically, but navigating the mental side is a different beast. Well, I think we can all. I mean, when we all when we're all anyone who works in this industry will you know, and I'm I'll be the first to admit everyone in this industry who chooses to do this for a living, they probably got some kind of body dysmorphia you know it's it's a pretty it's a pretty you know might not be pronounced they might have worked through it already especially if they get to my age hopefully they worked through it by then um but they probably got some type of body dysmorphia so it's this industry already kind of attracts people with that kind of you know they're not crazy about how they look um yeah so i know i don't know where i was going with that but yeah uh, yeah. i I think another thing maybe just to just to highlight and then we can kind of get off the, yeah. this topic is the somber topic. Yeah. yeah not, not that it's somber, just that, um, yeah. but anyways, but wait along with the body dysmorphia and the performance dancing drugs, including TRT and whatnot. Um, how many people are using these secretly that they're promoting that? Like, oh, hey, yeah. look at like, you know, use my workout program, use my diet, like look how jacked I am. So it'll work for you. But in the, you know, in the meanwhile, they're on, you know, whatever else they're on. And I think that that is the part that is the most unfair yeah, for, I, for consumers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And it's like, this industry has always kind of operated kind of like pro wrestling, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, like is, well, not, well, because everyone's, you know, everyone, how do I, how do I put this? Like everyone knows everyone's on, you know, everyone. And, and so it's just like, you don't ask. It's kind of like, I don't know. It's be but, uh, but us, us within within the industry might know, but yeah, yeah. like regular consumers of fitness content have no idea. Like, oh my god, I didn't know that that guy was on TRT or that guy was on yeah. you know whatever else he's using and not talking about it. And that's exactly. the part I think that's sad. Exactly, exactly. And but like, there's a lot of um, a lot of people actually kind of assume that everyone knows. You know, there's kind of the, this, this, this. You know, that's the excuse that I hear when I have conversations with people. We were doing just that, putting out program, you know, well, of course, everyone's on that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, the average person probably doesn't believe that probably or doesn't, doesn't consider that. Now, I don't think it's quite as bad as it was like 10 years ago, that, that, that ignorance, you know, I think a lot of people, in a lot of ways, it's gotten, it's gotten extremely other way. People assume that to make any progress in the gym, you have to be taking mm. something. So in a way it's gotten way too much the other way, but, um, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be that problem that problem of, of the guy holding the tub of protein powder with the twenty four charms, saying, "Oh, the, I've taken this. This is what made me look the way I do." You know, that's 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 been part of this industry since the, since day one, since the advertisement with the guy kicking sand in the bully's face or whatever. You know, 
I hope that uh, just regular, you know, consumerism or consumer education has elevated to a level where that type of marketing no longer works and people have got to get more real and a little bit more creative than like, hey, look at this super jack guy and all he takes is protein powder and creatine. All that, all he does, and he does two workouts a week. That's it. (laughs) Yeah. Probably not. You know, so I mean, yeah. And, but at the same time, I, I also don't want a 16 year old kid look at it like I, I've seen people online like thinking, oh, every, like every movie star with a little bit of muscle, oh, well, I wonder what his steroid stack is. I'm like, geez, he's 160 pounds. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, he did some push ups and has some good lighting. I don't think he's, you know, so it's, it's, it's kind of a, want to meet somewhere in the middle, I think. Very fair. Like lighting and lighting and even the makeup and stuff that they can use in movies, like it can make a world of a difference. And when you actually understand how big someone is, like no one who's 160 pounds is is on steroids. And if they are, like they're doing something very wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Sir woman. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Now you mentioned we we talked a little bit before about about diet and kind of figuring out the diet. Yeah. And now how this changes over the years and through seasons of life and things that are happening. Yeah. What are some of the pillars in your personal diet? And of course, you know, hopefully people yeah. can extrapolate this to themselves, yeah. but what are some of the pillars that have stuck in your personal diet and the way that you've navigated nutrition over the years? Well, is it like, it's interesting when I, when I coach people with, um, on nutrition, I really focus on, I focus on protein and I focus on total calories. And my, my line is saying carbs and fat will, those can kind of shake down, however, as long as the protein's where it needs to be and the calories are. Now, it doesn't mean that carbs and fat don't matter. It just means like on this, as we're embarking, you know, just focus on the calories and the protein. And we'll work, you know, we'll dial in the other stuff later. And when I look back on my own kind of, <laughs> my own my own dieting history personally, I from day one, I, I always would focus on protein. And that's never really changed, you know. Um, certainly, I've gone through times where I ate, ate too much protein than I needed. And I certainly didn't get a benefit from that, but I don't think I've ever really gone through stretches where I ate low protein. So I, I do think there's benefit to that. And certainly calories, the times when, you know, I got over myself and said, you know, I really have to (laughs) account for my calories. I can't just eyeball things that, you know, when I actually would measure my food or at least got really, really good at, at, at putting out my portions. Those are the times I've been in better shape. I've been leaner, you know, so, like the, those are the calories and the protein in my own life. That's always been things that I've focused on. And with, and even when I've been trying all these cockamamie diets, whether it's super low carbs or super high carbs, uh, calories and protein have always been the focus. And I think that's how it should be um, for everyone. Just focusing on protein, protein intake and calories. And calories doesn't even have to be for the day. It can be like your average calories for the week. So in other words, you have a bad day, eat, way too much one day and just eat a little bit less the next couple of days and kind of bring the the net calories down. So the averages, um, but of course calories are very sneaky. You have to track them. Um, you just kind of earn the right to eyeball things I find. Um, but if people just focus on those two things, then whatever kind of diet they do, whether it's, you know, high carb, low fat or low carb, high fat, as long as the calories, the, as long as the calories, the protein where they need to be, they'll get, they'll get results. Yeah. And again, this is like the simple stuff that people don't make it. Yeah. It's not cool. It's not cool enough to hear, but this is, this is what works times well, all of the years. Well, yeah. Like now you throw in, okay. I mentioned high, you know, carbs and fat, like those two extreme diets, like, okay, we'll throw in fasting. Will it work? Well, 
If protein is where it needs to be, and calories mm-hmm. where it needs to be, it'll it'll work. Okay. How about um, carnivore? Okay. Well, if protein is where it needs to be and calories it needs to be, it'll work. You know, vegan. <laughs> you know, <laughs> same thing. Same thing. So that's it. That's the underlying bedrock of everything. On the on the vegan note, I and I because I know that he was a, a friend and, and mentor to you, but Charles Polkin, I believe it was on Tim Ferriss's podcast. Okay. This was a number of years ago. There yeah. was like a Q and A. Do you know yeah. what I'm where I'm going with this? No, no, no. no well, I, 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 I I'm pretty that. sure it was on Tim Ferriss's podcast. But anyways, there was like a little Q and A, and the question to Charles was. Um, you know, my, my, I weigh this much and I'm this big and I do this and I'm a vegan athlete and like, what should I, uh, I'm a vegan bodybuilder or something. And what should I, what would you recommend I change about my diet or what should I do to gain more muscle? Something like that. And in, in very much Charles fashion, his answer was eat some fucking meat. Yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah I miss him, man. He was, he was a nut. Um, what was his line? He goes, yeah, vegetarian diets are very, are very healthy. Just add meat to them. You know, that's <laughs> That's a good one. I haven't heard that one from him. That's a good one. You know, he was a he was a kind of misunderstood guy by his own, all, all due to his own problems. But like, because he was sometimes didn't have a filter. But uh, for every really boneheaded thing he said, there was a couple things he he said that were very very uh, very very smart. So. And things that have you know stood the test of time and been been ahead of his time. Like another thing that he was saying was if he had waited, you know, for the research, he would have been whatever three, four Olympic cycles behind. And and there's a lot of, there's a lot of value in being in the gym and working with people and like, Hey, just kind of go in and, you know, fuck around and find out is the saying that people say now, but like there's, there's actual value in that. Yeah. Especially anything to do with training, you know, diet, he kind of went over his skis a little little too often, but training, he knew his stuff. And, and cause that's his, the way his mind was wired is that he would, it was just very, very observant and very, very analytical. And so, you know, especially dealing with Olympic cycles, like he, or, or professional athletes, like he gets this guy, he gets this athlete for a limited amount of time. He was just very, very good at figuring out, okay, what's, where are they deficient? Okay. And developed all these testing norms for that. Okay. This is where they're deficient. Okay. How do I correct this as quickly as possible? You know, and, and have it transfer to a, a benefit on, like, there's no point in getting a bang and bench press if you're a I could figure skater. So it's like, <laughs> uh, making sure this correction benefits the athlete. So that's where his skill set was, is he was very good at producing these, uh, correcting these deficiencies that would translate onto the field of play. Um, and I've just, I learned a lot from him doing that. And, uh, and I, I saw it in action, just how he could just, you know, spot someone's flaw in their technique and, and what that, and what what caused it? Like it's easy to spot someone. Oh, you have shitty technique. Okay, why? You know, right? You know, and then correct it through exercise prescriptions. So, um, and and in the end, in the fastest way possible. And I think yeah. that some of, some of the the meticulousness of the way that he organized training and and spoke about training and prescribed training maybe is a better term yeah. is is I think part of some of where people criticize him now because for an average person, you know, a mother of two and do they need to know exact tempos of all their exercise and have an exact, all of these things like maybe not, but like that wasn't who he was talking to. And so this is where the, the miscommunication comes in is like, yeah, if you're a pro athlete, you've got eight weeks to prepare for competition. Yeah. You better be absolutely dialed in on your training because this is your job. This is what you're trying to do. You're a, you know, mom of two trying to lose 15 pounds over the next, you know, six months. Like, yeah, okay. You can, we don't need to be as specific. It would be better if we were, but we don't need to be this specific. 
Yeah, like everything he said was this is where he kind of fell off the like everything he said there was always a lot of context that needed to be applied with it. And you know, when something is in print and if the context is included, you'll the person just has to figure it out for themselves. So, um yeah, but uh one thing I always loved about him and is he his form when he's training athletes, he'd focus so much on really, really good form, like bringing it back to tempo, you said. And, um, and actually, I can, you know, I can see it a lot in, um, in, in like Mike Israel's stuff, like his form is so good and so clean and so precise. And uh, that's, that's such a benefit. Like that's, I don't see enough of that online today. Really good, clean form combined with like just working very, very hard, you know, Often those two things, you can have great form, but not working very hard. You can have terrible form, but the person's busting their ass. It's when you marry the two, you know, that's, that's really kind of the magic happens. A good, um, a good buddy of mine who's uh, not a fitness, uh, he's not a trainer. He recently started training with another friend of mine who, uh, who's a trainer who I used to, who he used to work with downtown. And, uh, and I saw him, he's like, yeah, like I'm not doing anything crazy. Like it's just a split squat and a push up and like a, this exercise or, you know, very simple stuff. But he's like, he has me doing it perfect form, like counting a three second tempo, like a 60 yeah. second rest is a 60 second rest. Yeah. And he's like, I feel amazing. Like I'm getting such an amazing training effect, but I'm lifting like 30 pounds. Like what is going on? I'm like, well, because for yeah. the first time in your life, like you're actually, you're actually training. And this is yeah. what the value of having that in-person training is like. It's, it's hard to replicate that online because you can't really be like on it with the person and watching every single rep that they do and correcting in the moment. But there's extreme value in paying very close attention to your, to your form and really dialing in the training when, whenever you're able to. Yeah. And, and I know that's a bit a hot point on, on in social media right now is perfect form really important. And you know what, and what is perfect form and all that. And, and admittedly it is like, what's perfect form on my body. It might be different than on yours. And, mm-hmm. But, but certainly just, res- you know, you know, Thibodeau's always makes a great argument. It's like respecting that individual rep, the individual repetition. And, and when you, when you strive to have a perfect rep, as he calls it, and perfect meaning like the, the tempo is deliberate and it's like, it's not, there's not a lot of momentum and the, the concentric is a little bit explosive, but not sloppy. Um, I know range of motion is a, debatable thing, but I'm, I'm a big believer in the fullest range of motion provided tissue is healthy. Um, when you train like that way, it's, it's, it's just different and all that you don't need a lot of volume then. And you don't need a lot of, you don't need a lot of exercises, quite frankly. Like that's the thing, like these really good trainers who get the most out of every repetition, you look at their programs and it's just like, man, there's only like four exercises here. You know, like what the fuck, like, like, where's the, where's the hot sauce? Like, what are we doing here? And, but then when you watch them put their athletes through it, or you put, or have them better yet, have them put you through it. You're like, this is hard work. Like the few times I squatted with Charles, I wanted to fucking die, (laughs) you know, cause it's just like, you're so in the moment. Like you're so just, your, you know, your form is perfect and is, and you're being correct. You know, he didn't say a lot, but you know, if you if you broke your form, he'd correct you and just going to that, you know, muscular failure. Yeah. It's, it's extremely valuable. I think in, again, everything is with context, right? So some people will say like, oh, it doesn't actually matter that much. And like, when you say that much, like, yeah. what does that mean? How much? 
how much does it matter? It, it, it will, it would be better if you didn't do it, but we all totally get that. Like, Hey, you're a regular person and like, you've just got to train, but some yeah. people get too bogged down on the technique and forget to actually train hard, which yeah. that's like another problem. Like no one who's a, a technique monster is like, Hey, don't, don't train hard. That's not yeah. the right, that's not the right well, messaging. And you can even get away with like hard training is also a subjective thing. Totally, totally. If I'm using less weight, but getting the same intensity or the same effect on the muscle, then doesn't mean I trained less hard. It just, it's just a different style of training. And I think this is, again, just where so much of the messaging is, is, is just mixed up and misunderstood. Well, and I'm a big believer, especially, you know, when you go outside of the gym and you start looking at everything involved in like in the process of, of improving your body, everything is connected. Okay. Um, and the obvious example of that is you cannot train a, a terrible diet and you can't. And at the same time, if you have a fantastic diet, but you don't train or you train very poorly, you're not going to have the same, a very good result either. I mean, those are obvious examples, but everything is also connected. And if you approach your training, like you don't, you don't half-ass it and you don't, it's not random and it is planned and it's intelligent and it's progressive. And every repetition, you're so in the fucking moment. Like, it's just like, you're there, you know, and you work as hard as you can. Like if you're not going, like basically not all, maybe not all out every set, but as hard as you realistically can. Um, there's a, there's a trickle down from that, that goes into, it goes into the diet then. Like it's, you're going to just over time, just approach food a little bit differently. You're not going to just haphazardly eat, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously there are people that do, but I find that when people embrace something and, and they take it that seriously, it, washes it to other areas like maybe then also they'll be getting to bed earlier and they'll be more methodical with, with prepping their food and they'll be more methodical with all these other things it's like everything is connected and kind of snowballs i've started using this phrase return on effort and when people talk about you know return on investment of your time or your money or whatever but i think in the gym there we have to consider the return on your effort. If you're training three, four times a week and you go to the gym for an hour and you kind of putz around for an hour at like a, you know, a six out of 10 intensity, you don't follow a program. You just, you know, do whatever machine is open at the time. And you know, oh, there's nothing open. I'll just do a set of curls. And you're kind of, you're still spending effort, but you're not really getting results from that. So in my mind, doesn't it make a lot more sense for regular people to invest a little bit more effort, train a little bit harder, follow yeah. a program, put more effort into your training. You're going to get an exponentially greater result. It's not that much. You don't, I'm not asking anyone to spend yeah. two, three hours in the gym every single day, spend the same amount of time in the gym, just work a little bit harder. When you're there, you're going to get way greater results. And isn't that what everyone wants at the end of the day? Well, yeah. That, and that's my biggest issue with reps and reserve is, hmm. you know, um, it's just that first of all, unless you've been training a very long time and, not only that, unless you've been training a very long time and after you've trained a very long time, then gone on a course of training to all out failure. Now that, that order is important. Like if you're, if you don't have a long, you need a long training history before you can really attempt to go to all out failure because you have to develop the nervous system and you have to develop the confidence uh, and the pain tolerance and the maturity. Um, so then you, okay, so you have this long period of training and then you have this period where you go to absolute failure, okay, and you push that boundary. Only then, once you've done these things, can you actually train reps in reserve because now you understand, okay, now I, I now I understand what actual fucking failure looks like because it's, it's, when I, 
And that's why I don't use those in my programs unless the person is very, unless I know the, how the person trains and I know what their work ethic is like. And I, so we're speaking the same language because, you know, it's people just don't work hard enough unless, unless they know how to work hard and they know the value in it. I totally agree. When you say a, a long period of training for yeah. context for people, how long are we talking? It's not going to the gym for six months. How long are we talking? Well, if we're talking years, because when you're new at this, you don't have to train that hard. Like where you, like yeah. you, you get gains, you just, you know, some, some people, quite frankly, if you're young and you're, you know, you're healthy and you got plenty of time, you know, you just have to do the pump and jump workouts, man. Go bite, you go do you, anything, <laughs> literally anything. And, and you'll get, you'll get those bigger arms that everyone wants and you'll get the, the shoulders to start to come out and you'll get those initial kind of newbie gains with very little, with some ridiculous programming you'll get them <laughs> you know and you don't even have to work that hard and so but the further you go down that that line the more that you know everything else starts to matter all of a sudden you have to work harder and you have to work a little bit smarter and you have to learn to push your body out of this kind of comfort zone to get some adaptation and that just takes time and it takes practice and you know that's why you watch any kind of older season lifter you know, they, you know, they, they approach it almost like a job. Like it's like they're they, like, they don't waste sets and they certainly don't waste reps. Like they're just, you know, they, they've got their exercise and they, you know, do a couple warm up sets and then they do their work set. And it's like, it, you know, it's almost like they, they only have so many dollars to spend. And so they're spending as wise as they can. And like, that's the kind of, and that just takes time to get there. It takes a lot of time. I, I think that yeah. even for me, I don't fully understand reps in reserve for my own self for all exercises. And I think it also changes. Like I've gone through a series of injuries last year. And yeah. so my strength is a little, a little bit different and things feel a little bit different. And so on certain exercises where I was like pretty dialed, it's like now it's like I'm not I'm not actually sure while I'm doing it. Like I know where I'm going to fail, but like to accurately calculate mid set while like while I'm going two reps in reserve, it's like, first of all, this is too much mental math. It's yeah. too inaccurate. And I don't see the payoff from this. Well, yeah, and, and if I can't do it and not that I'm, you know, the greatest, you know, whatever, but like I'm far more experienced than the average person out there. Like, I don't think that most average people can, can, can accurately do it. Well, yeah. And the bigger the exercise, the, the, the more difficult it is to drill down. Like, right. yeah, we're talking a, you know, a bicep curl, you probably, you know, you probably figure out reasonably where you fail and where your reps and reserve are. But if we're talking a back squat, you know, man, you can always do one or a leg press, especially you can always <laughs> do one more. You can always do one more. And, you know, and the, the line, if someone puts a gun to your head, you can probably do one more. Probably do one. So now, okay. So what exactly are these reps in reserve? Like, what, like, so am I? Is my what I think is my one rep in reserve? Is it really like my seven rep in reserve? Okay, like, but if I can only reach that level of effort when I got you know a terrorist putting a gun in my head, like, is that even realistic? Like, it's just. Now I get it. I get it. Like, it's just a way to get people to. Think about their effort. And so that that's why I'm not shitting on the method, but it's just, um, there's a lot of kind of context that needs to go along with it. I think, I think something like that for a lot of people, they'll, they'll try and implement it and by no fault of their own implement it poorly yeah. or ineffectively. And therefore like they don't get the intended results from it. And then they kind of dismiss the whole concept of like, oh, this doesn't work. Yeah. It's like, well, it's yeah. not exactly true. It would work if you were able to do it right. It's just the question is, are you able to do it right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, so there's still very much utility to it, but just it has to be the a lot of education that goes along with it. Yeah. 
Are there any mistakes that you've made in the last, you know, 10, 20 years of training that you, if you could go back, you would totally change them for yourself? And and to frame this question a little bit more, I think it's a tough question to ask like, Hey, if you, if you knew what you knew now, would you do things differently in the past? And the answer is almost always, of course, cause like you're yeah. more educated now, yeah. but at the same time, like the mistakes you made helped you learn what yeah. you know now. So barring that, like, would you, what are some of the mistakes that you made and would you have changed them? Well, I definitely would have, um, I would have, tr- I would have trained like I have a bad shoulder from hmm. day one as opposed to training how I did train, developing a bad shoulder and now being forced to train like I have a bad shoulder. Um, And how did I get a bad shoulder? It was just uh, too much benching, um, going too low in my dips. I used to do very, very heavy dips, go way too low because I wanted, I thought I was getting a maximal stretch on my tricep, but I was really, I was just getting a maximal stretch on my shoulder. Um, So that'd be the, that would be the biggest thing because that's something that haunts me today. I mean, I can't train the way I'd like to, because I'm just, I have that, it's not going nowhere. Um, so that's definitely a regret that I'd like to, and I, and I'd certainly be just as smart if I didn't have to endure this. Um, so that, pro, and that kind of speaks to, a, uh, just an overall approach of just, I always use pretty good form. I can, you know, my form could always be better. Um, and I always kind of respected my form, but I think I just did too much. I did too much volume and, uh, wore myself down a little bit. So to answer your question, I would have trained, um, a little bit harder, a little bit, a little bit less often, but not like low volume and just, just be more kind of treating every work set. Like, okay, this is gonna, this means something, you know, I don't have a million of these in a bank, you know? I only have a limited number of these and just, you know, put more care and effort into everything. Um, but I always train reasonably intelligently, you know, but that'd be the biggest thing is just doing a little bit less and doing a little bit better and avoiding these things that, that hurt me today. Would you have done, um, like more prehab quote unquote kind of exercises for your shoulder or anything, or you would have just like taken out, you would have removed the things that you think hurt your shoulder. Uh, I would have, well, or reduced maybe is a better word than remove really just done them better. Cause the things that really hurt my shoulder were again, the dips and doing, um, I love to incline bench. So maybe my, um, Oh yeah. Like I would have stopped, uh, cause I was always four, I'm four inch motion guys. So I was right to my chest, right to my chest. Um, had I stopped, you know, maybe six inches above my chest, I'd probably have a much better shoulder today. Um, would I have missed out on any gargantuan pec development? Well, evidently, uh, you know, so it's just like, I would have made that change as well. Um, just little, like these little things that you, that you're forced to do as you get older. If, if you start doing them from day one, when your tissue is perfectly healthy and you're a young person, it doesn't like, it doesn't shortchange your gains. Like it doesn't mean, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to have less, you know, it just, it just means you'll be able to trade longer for better. Um, so I would have made those changes for sure. Yeah. So I guess just more, more mindful of what yeah. you're doing and how it's affecting you. And I think it's, it's a, it's a really yeah. tough thing for people to understand. I get it, even though I'm still relatively young, only because I've been injured so much in the past where it's like, yeah. I know what, what my body feels like and what things are going to happen. But my peers and friends who are my age are like, no, I feel great. I'll just bench like three times a week. I'm like, eh, sure you, you could, but why? Like, are you, gaining anything from that? And what's that going to do to you down the road? 
Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. And then, but my biggest, you know, training I was always okay, but it was always diet. I definitely, hmm. I wish I, I'm that, that my, my long rant about learning how to diet and, and figuring out the diet. Now that was, I was basically speaking to myself. Like had I figured that out in my twenties, allowed myself to get big, allowed myself to get, you know, talking about dysmorphia earlier. I never, I always looked at myself, oh, I'm carrying too much fat. I'm carrying too much fat. Now, when I look at pictures from those days, I looked like a fucking skinny club kid. Like I wasn't carrying that much fat, you know? So had I allowed myself to get big, get, you know, a little sloppy in my twenties at that age when it doesn't look, you know, at my, I'm 50 now. If I walk around bulky, I look ridiculous. You know, whereas in your twenties, you look like a bouncer, you know, you you're still, you're still, you're still getting laid. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's socially acceptable. So, I mean, allow myself to get higher in body weight, put on that mass when your when your body is young and then slowly take off the body fat. And then you have, you're left with this base of, of, of muscle that's there to stay. I mean, we know we were talking about drugs earlier. Nothing works better than adding muscle than a bulk in a young, healthy body. Big caveat there. <laughs> big caveat. Yeah. Big yeah. Big yeah. caveat and, and doing it properly. And again, I think a lot of people are afraid of gaining even a little bit of body fat. So they, they and, say they want to do a bulk, but they give it like three yeah. months and they gain, you know, one pound and they're like, Oh no, 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 this is, this is not good. It's like, well, you got to commit some time to this and like, you got to have, you got to understand what the payoffs are. Like you're going to add some body fat, but your point of what you're doing, why you're doing this is to add muscle and you're also doing that. Well, yeah. And you can see this a lot in, um, you know, now that, social media is so big and all these old bodybuilders are on social media now. Um, and a lot of them are saying the same thing. It was that it was way easier to get big, you know, back in their day, you know, when it was 20, 30 years ago and not because their genetics are any different, you know, it's, it's just, um, and there's not like they were any smarter back then. It's just, there was less incentive to have your shirt off all the time. You know, these, <laughs> like these guys could actually have an off season. Right. You know, like they could actually, you know, you know whatever the contest was, it's the Olympia in October, they have their contest and then that's it. Maybe, you know, maybe the next contest is March, the Arnold Classic, but most of them would just wait till the next Olympia. So they have this long period where they're covered up and they're not taking selfies every day and updating all their, you know, they're got, they got a sweater on and they're lifting heavy weights and they're eating big and they're getting a little heavy. And they're putting on all this tissue that you can't put on you know, eating right around maintenance, you know, like that these sports <laughs> try to do. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> not, not to shit on anyone, but you know, I, I, you know, and I see this in my colleagues. I, I see guys who frankly, they know better and they're always taking selfies and doing ab shots and, and which is fine to each their own. And at the same time, they'll be lamenting about, Oh, you know, I've always been undersized and I've always been I'm like, well, don't you see the, the, the disparate perspectives here, like at the one time you're lamenting being underweight and the second time you won't allow yourself to gain weight, you know? So it's, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I, I think that there's a ton of truth that I did like a pretty, pretty good bulk a couple of years ago. I added like 30 pounds and definitely not all muscle. Like obviously like it was a pretty, it was a pretty good one. And I know, but I had to have a real yeah. conversation with myself going into it. Like, Hey, I am not going to like the way that I look at the end of this, but to, to yeah. my own credit, I also had a longer outlook. Like that bulk was whatever, six or eight months or whatever it was. But it's like, that's not the end. And I think this is maybe another good point to talk about is just thinking about timelines in training. I think younger people, we get stuck in thinking about real short time, like oh, well, three months or six months, but 
we got to think about the rest of our life. Like, what do we think about the next 30 years? So, okay, I'm going to get a little fat for eight months, but then I'm going to cut all that off and then I'll be, and I'll be good. And then, you know, what's the next evolution from that? So I don't know if you have any maybe tips for just kind of trying to think about elongating your, your time frame or people's time frame about thinking about their training and nutrition. Well, it's, it's, you know, it's again, it all depends on the goal, but assuming someone's goal is they want to look like a bodybuilder or they just, or they want to look big and muscular, you know, a muscular body. Um, it's just, it is having a, it is having a, a longer term goal, but it's also just like the worst thing you can do is change your program all the time, mm. you know, and, and, because for like that's just straight up like the the changing your program every four weeks thing is the dumbest possible thing you can do from a muscle building perspective. I get it from a client retention perspective if you're a coach because oh my 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 client's getting bored so I got I want I want to keep the business so I'll send them a new program like that's you're doing them a disservice but I get it I've had those exact conversations you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's just the worst thing because you, you're just after four weeks, you're kind of now at the point where you made the kind of neural adaptations. Like now you're actually, when you fail at an exercise and, 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 and add reps, you're actually adding, you know, you're into the muscle now, as I like to put it, like you're into actually progressively overloaded the muscle. It's not just this nervous system and coordination and all this shit. It's not just skill acquisition anymore. Exactly. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. You're more well-spoken than I am. Um, but what do you do then? You change the program then. So just, just when it's getting good, man, it's just like, just when you're getting somewhere, you know, you, you, you change shit up and, and, and I get it. And I also get it from, it's easier if you're a coach who works like that, you just have everyone on a, here's your program for, here's, it's back month. And then next month, it's chest month. Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm laughing at it, but it's, it's just terrible programming. Uh, the best thing you can do and, is this is my training program and I'm going to just keep working it, get consistent and just, and that means getting out of this. Oh, I got to diet every year. I'm just going to treat it. Like I'm just going to get as best as I can for as long as I can, you know, getting out of this mindset. Oh, now I got to start dieting. You know, now I got to start gaining. Why don't you just get better and do this for fucking five years or 10 years or whatever. And, you know, and getting slowly, that's how you get there. It's these, once you get really, really big and really developed, then you can have these kind of little whiplashy things. Um, like, like, a, like an actual bodybuilder. Like, then you can actually do these things because you've already built the fucking house already. Now you can have the, you know, now you can do these little renovations here and there. But that initial period when you're building the house, just thinking like five years, you know, think long term. I love that analogy. You've already built the house and now you can do renovations. That's a, that's a really good one. That's going to stick. Well, okay. <laughs> like it's just, I just, I don't know. And again, I, I'm, I'm, I did these, all these mistakes. I would diet every year. I would diet every year and like hard fucking diets. Like, man, like, you know, for three, four months at, you know, 1800 calories and all this. And yeah, I'd lose the, lose the fat that I put on in my three month bulk, you know, <laughs> you know, and just all you do, you extend that over for a decade and you've gained and lost the same 10 pounds over and over again. And everybody online who says, oh, bulking doesn't work. You just gain and lose the same 10 pounds. Yeah, because you're fucking it up. <laughs> because like, <laughs> you're not doing it right. You know, it's just like, it's like anything. If you do, you know, it's like any endeavor. If you don't do it right, it's not going to work. It's not that the whatever, you know, whatever you happen to be doing is so wrong. Um, 
anyway. Yeah, and th- and this is how this is how you know the the whole conversation comes full circle at this point, right? It's like everything can work, but everything is not going to work for you for the individual. Like you've got to play guess and check and work with a coach and find out how to make this stuff fit your lifestyle because that's what that's yeah. what matters more than like who has the best approach. Exactly, exactly, exactly. You gotta, um, you know, with me and my coaching, the, all, the first thing I do is the first questions I ask people is it's. Well, number one is probably what is your goal, but then after that, it's all about. Oh, tell me about your commute. Tell what's right. your you know. Tell me about you know how many kids you got. Oh, how old are they? Oh, uh, are they, that's a really busy age. You know what's uh, basically trying to figure out what's their their rhythm in their life. And you know because that because you, you get a handle on that, you understand the person. You so you understand their goal and you understand what their life is like. So now you can kind of build a program that kind of can weave into that and it's got it. You can't just slam. Okay. Here's your six exercise. Here's your six workouts for the week. Make it, make it happen guy. Like you got to see, okay, well, how much time do I have to play with? You know, where can I have slightly longer workouts? Where can I, whatever, you know, like it's, you always, always have to put the, the person first, their lifestyle first. If it was as easy as simply picking the quote unquote, right training program and diet, then everybody would be 9% body fat and super jacked. Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, it's a, I'm not saying it's a hard, it is a difficult process, but it's a much longer process. I mean, I, th- I think that's where us as, a, as an industry, we really sell this shit, sell this stuff sh- short is that we, do, we don't talk about how long it takes. You know, everyone's talk a lot about the effort required and all that, but we don't always talk about how long this takes. Especially building muscle takes forever, forever, and it's way hard. I, I think it's it, building muscle is way harder than than losing oh. fat. Oh, way harder, way, way harder. You know, especially an appreciable amount of muscle. Like once you're, you know, especially as you get older, forget about it. You know, like it's it's a long, difficult process, a rewarding one. Um, but like fat loss is just fat loss is all mental. Um, yeah, it's, and it, it's it's not fun, but it's uh, yeah. It's a different kind. It's a different simpler, kind. Simpler, simpler. Yeah. yeah, simple, not easy. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. hopefully, hopefully, after listening to this, you know, people will have some appreciation for the for the length of time, you know, that these things <laughs> take, and and all of the things that go into it, and have some more considerations for themselves. But um, without you know wanting to take up too much more of your time, Brian, uh, is right. there anything else that you wanted to talk about today or get off your chest before we close it off here? No, no, I'm good. I enjoyed the talking to you. Awesome. Thank you very much. Uh, Brian, where can people find you and get in contact? Uh, I'll put it in the show notes, but just uh, rattle, rattle it off here for us. Oh, uh, well, my website, I still have one of those is, uh, <laughs> is briancron.com and that's B-R-Y-A-N-K-R-A-H-N.com. And uh, that's also my Instagram handle and I'm there. I think I'm on Facebook too, but I'm not there too often, but yeah, you can find me that way. Awesome. BrianCron.com, Brian Cron on the uh, social media platforms. Brian, any last message, fitness or otherwise, that you want to leave the people with here in closing? No, I've already done enough rambling. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you very much, Brian. I appreciate you. I appreciate everyone for listening. Thank you uh, for your time and for your attention as always. Uh, check out Brian uh, on his website and social media and all that stuff. Share the podcast with a friend, family, all that good stuff. And that's that. Go outside, be a good person. See you next time.